to you and as we come to you in humility in our brokenness in our joy in the goodness in the bad times we come to you Lord and our hearts yearn for you 
because you are the only one who can satisfy. You are the only one who can give us the living water to quench our thirst, to give us the living bread that can fill us. Our hearts yearn for you. As the deer yearns for you, we yearn for you, Lord.
Lord, as we have this time to absolutely drink of your spirit in this place today. And I'm inviting those of you watching to allow the Spirit of God just to wash over you. Allow the Spirit of God to flood your soul and flood your heart. Let Him come and do what only He can do. As you give your heart over in surrender, drink of the rivers of life. Drink as the song we just sang, like the thirsty deer, God, that my soul thirsts for you, that I think about your love, that I think about your grace, and how can I not respond to the love that you've shown us? How can I not respond to your grace and your mercies and your glory to us? How can we not respond? We love you. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you.
couldn't turn it I don't deserve it But still you give yourself Ooh, I couldn't, I couldn't turn it I don't deserve it Well, it's so great to be with you this morning and to share with you the word. We are in our faith promise season, which is so exciting. And it's been so wonderful already to see the response from people. And uh, thank you for partaking and being part of faith promise. And uh, the message today that I want to share with you is entitled generosity of spirit. And, um, you know, there's so many miracles in the scripture and occasions where Jesus ministered to individuals, where he, you know, healed a sick person or raised somebody from the dead or provided for somebody in some way care that, that we know that made such a big difference in that individual's life. And that is such a powerful aspect of the gospel of the Lord Jesus is that it, that it is aimed at the individual, that it changes our hearts individually. But I want to remind us also today that the gospel is not only effective towards the individual, but that the gospel is also aimed at the multitude and even at nations. And we know this from uh, Matthew 28 verse 19, where Jesus instructed the disciples and all of us, therefore, to go and make disciples of all nations. So the gospel has this beautiful balance that it can maintain between reaching the individual and being applicable to every individual's life, but also being powerful on the scale of the multitudes and the nations. And therefore, there are events recorded in Scripture that is about multitudes and miracles even that not only spoke in the context of multitudes, but that were actually done for multitudes. And one of those that I want to go to today and read about a little bit and spend a bit of time on is uh, the feeding of the 5,000. And um, I'm going to particularly be using the, the section out of Matthew 14, but we'll be referencing one or two of the other Gospels uh, that, uh, that also describe this event. But when I read this recently, it just struck me that the power of the Gospel to reach the multitudes and to affect nations. And, um, and, and it just sort of made me remember again that, that we're dealing with things on a, on a global scale, a bigger scale. Uh, and that we mustn't just make the gospel so very personal and so very much about me and about my experience and what God's doing in my life. But that the gospel has this ability to change the world. And not by just changing individuals, but by really affecting and impacting nations and multitudes of people. Now, you know how the story of Matthew 14 and the feeding of the 5,000 unfolded. Jesus was having a time of ministry and, um, and felt that he wanted to draw away with his disciples and were actually looking to escape the crowds and to get to a place of quiet. Um, and they, therefore, they withdrew uh, and wanted to go on the other side of the lake and just spend a bit of time together as a, as a team, as friends, and, and just unwind a little bit. Um, 
But as we pick up in verse 13, the crowds were relentless and they weren't going to get them escape. And they were, they were wanting to be with Jesus. So in Matthew 14, verse 13, we read this. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on fruit from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And uh, throughout the scripture, I want to just make a couple of points about but the multitudes. And the first point I want to make here is that Jesus had compassion for multitudes. Not only did he have compassion for the individual, and was he often moved to do something, to do a miracle. I think of that, of that lady with the issue of blood that pressed through and that finally found a way to touch Jesus. And he felt that, that something happened and that the power from uh, healing power left his body and affected somebody and he, and he stopped. I think of Jesus with Zacchaeus that climbed in the tree and went and had a meal with him. The, Jesus was so focused on the individual, but he also had this ability to have compassion on the multitudes to to see and and we you know there's there's times where scripture says where he spoke about Jerusalem for instance and and where he looked upon Jerusalem and and this this compassion that he had so Jesus's compassion covers every person everybody it covers the whole earth it covers every nation he has this compassion he has this desire for for the good of every people group of every nation and that's why world missions is so important and today in our faith promise we're particularly focusing on on our missions aspect of what we do and and the nations and that be is because of the the compassion that Jesus has for nations because we can you know it's always this tension isn't it in in our generosity should we give to the people around us should we care about our own nation and our own people uh, and, and not about the others, or should we care about other nations, and, and, and not about, and it's always both. We always have to have a, a care for our own people, and, and last week we spoke about our partner ministries, and in our city, and in our own nation, it's right, we have to care, and we have to care well in this space, but then we also have to care for nations outside of us. I think all of our hearts right now are very concerned, and very touched, and, and we're praying for Afghanistan, and what's happening in Afghanistan, and the spillover that that'll have into that part of the world, and we're praying. And we trust in God for his hand upon those parts of the world. And, and you know, that's the, the, the compassion that Jesus has for the nations that must be expressed in and through our lives, that we have compassion for the nations. And Jesus didn't just have compassion as, uh, you know, he, had some, he did things about it. And, and here we see that he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And in, in Mark's version, it says he, he began to teach them. Um, about life and and Jesus was engaging with these multitudes he wasn't threatened by them uh, it's amazing how Jesus seemingly had this his focus was on the individuals his focus was on the disciples Jesus didn't play to the crowds Jesus didn't weren't looking for the crowds he wasn't looking for a following um, he, he you know if he lived, Jesus was in our day I don't think he would have really been phased by how many Facebook likes does he followers does he have and 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 Instagram followers and likes does he get and and he, you know, I don't think he would have had a social media director particularly. He may have, I don't know. But, you know, I don't, he wasn't trying to reach the crowds. But because of his care for people, the crowds naturally came to him. And uh, because of what he was doing. And then he wasn't threatened by the crowds. He wasn't uncomfortable with the crowds. He was able to engage with the crowds. And, and I mean, the scene that must have taken place. Here's more than 5,000 people gathered by a, by a lake on a countryside without a PA system, without any of the modern, you know, 
amenities that we have. They didn't have marquee tents set up for them and, you know, no rental toilets that they brought in for everybody. And, you know, don't let your mind go too far with, with those ideas. But just imagine the scenery. Uh, it's, it's not a very comfortable and easy space. And yet Jesus is able to do quality ministry with these thousands and thousands of people because that's the capacity that he has. That's the capacity the gospel has. The good news is the good news for the nations. Then the second thing I want to say is that Jesus not only had compassion for the multitudes, he knew how to cater for the multitudes. In Matthew 14, verse 15, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, there is a remote place. This is a remote place, and it is already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. So just imagine, you know, here's these thousands of thousands of people, 5,000 plus, and it's getting late. The crowds are, are hungry, and the logical thing is to do what the disciples say. Send them to go to the towns around so they can buy food. Quick and easy solution, then we've catered for their needs. We've, we've, we've made sure that everybody's looked after. But Jesus says, you don't have to send them away. You feed them. So, so Jesus is not afraid of, of not only having compassion for the crowds, but catering for the crowds, looking after the needs of the crowds, going a little further. I mean, it would be easy to think that, yes, he healed their sick, he taught them all day long, surely that's enough. But Jesus says, no, there's more. There's more we can do. We can go the extra mile. We can, we can show them really something about the kingdom of God here. This is an opportunity. This is a moment where, where the, the, the kingdom can truly be reflected and, and kingdom values and, and kingdom truth can be experienced by these people. This is a moment that we have to capitalize on. So Jesus was like, we're going to cater for the crowds. Now, when I did my military service, I, uh, before I went into junior leaders training and eventually uh, officers training, I had a little stint where I was, did, did uh, chef's training, so in the military. And uh, as part of that training towards the end, they tested your abilities. And I can remember that uh, myself and three other uh, chef trainees, you know, at that point, were, were given the task to cook a lunchtime meal for the troops in our unit. And I, I don't know, I, I think it was around 200 people that we had to cook for on a, on a field kitchen unit, which runs off liquid petroleum gas. And we had to, I, I don't know why it's so stuck in my memory, because this is a long time ago, but the meal we had to make is fish mornay. Uh, fish mornay with, um, with mashed potatoes and green beans. The uh, Fish mornay, I don't know if you know what fish mornay is. Fish mornay is a, is a fish dish that is smothered in a... In a um, a cheese sauce with a crispy topping on it. So on a field kitchen, the first and f f thankfully the only meal I ever made uh, during that time was for this, in my mind, multitude, 200 people. And you know the stress of having to make sure the food is ready at the same time that everybody gets warm food and that it is that it is you know, well prepared and that, you know, everything is, and I can remember the pressure and the stress of that. And it, it was exhausting to, I know there's people that do that with, you know, their eyes closed, they skilled caterers, but I was not. And, um, and Jesus didn't run a catering company. The disciples weren't selected as disciples because of their ability to cater, but that didn't threaten Jesus. That didn't, he didn't skip a beat. 
He was like, no, we're going to feed these people. We're going to, there's an opportunity here. He saw an opportunity. He wasn't threatened by the, by the challenges. He saw an opportunity and said, this is something we have to do. We have to cater for the multitudes. We have to reveal to them something here. We have to show them the kingdom of God. Then Jesus not only had compassion for the multitudes, not only did he, was he prepared to cater for them, he actually fed the multitudes. In verse 17, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. So when Jesus said, listen guys, will you feed them? Uh, in Mark and in John's version, it gives us a little bit more of the picture. They went looking around for what's available and all they could find was this boy's uh, you know, lunch pack, his little picnic pack that his mom packed for him. Uh, that I don't know if his mom sent him on his own or the parents have already eaten their food. He was like a little bit of a, he didn't want to eat. And so he didn't eat his food and that was left over. And, and almost as a point to say to Jesus, listen, this is ridiculous what you're saying. Really, this is not the best plan. This, this is not going to work. They came to Jesus and said, listen, we've got nothing. We've only got these five loaves and two fish. We can't do this, you know, because they, they were making the calculations in their head. And we see that in, in Mark 6 where they say to Jesus, look, um, if you want us to feed them, it's going to take more than a half a year's wages to go to the town next door quickly and see how much bread we can buy. And I mean, in one town to buy bread for 5,000 people, there's no guarantee that there's going to be that much bread at the end of the day left in any town. It's going to be a logistical nightmare. It's going to be quite an operation to go and find bread, at just bread for 5,000 people. So they're really trying to, I think, dissuade Jesus from this notion and saying, you know, it's... It, it, it's a good idea, but it's not going to happen. And they said to Jesus, this is all we've got. You know, and, and they were doing these calculations of saying um, f five loaves, two fish times X is going to be for 5,000 people. And what is that X that we have to multiply this bread? Well, how many more uh, little lunch packs like this do we need if we're going to feed 5,000 people? And, and, and there's some just couldn't work out. They couldn't make it happen. But when Jesus looked at it, he, he knew obviously different. And we know from the story that he had a different calculation. For him, the calculation was five loaves, two fish, multiplied by the options and possibilities that Jesus had equals feeding 5,000. He was the X factor. He was the, the, the factor that had to be included in this calculation that changed the whole picture. You see, because for the disciples, when they looked at this crowd and they looked at the little bit they had, no matter how they calculated it, there was no way that this could work because they did not have the options that Jesus knew he had. They didn't have the options in mind that Jesus knew was available to him, that Jesus could do this because he had options. And I think that's so often how what we feel like, isn't it, when we're faced with the multitudes, with the needs all around us. I mean, in our context here in South Africa, here in our city, you cannot, you cannot drive five kilometers without being confronted by needs all around you on a huge scale. We every day we're confronted by the needs, the poverty, the unemployment all around us. And one can quickly get to a place where you where you just become, in a sense, desensitized to it and, and even numb to it and, and begin to ignore and just want to say, look, I, I, I don't want to be involved. I, I, I don't, I, it's too much. I can't, I can't attend to this. But as believers, 
we always have to remember that we have Jesus as the X factor in whatever we give. But you know, if you, you can multiply zero with, with any great X factor, you still come out with zero at the end of the day. So it's interesting here that Jesus says, give me what you've got. The five loaves and the two fishes multiplied by the factor of Christ and his options and his possibilities and his power is enough. But if we give him nothing, then his power and his ability is still limited. And, and that's not because God's power is limited, but that goes back to what we spoke in the King and I series. God chose to give us authority on this earth and to make us co-workers with him and to, to make us part of the rulership of this earth and of establishing his order. What Jesus was doing here is he was creating order within this space and he was recreating and revealing to them kingdom order. And to do that, he needed the disciples to be part of it. He needed to involve them. And that's why he said, give me what you've got. And that's what Jesus will do with every one of us. He says, give me what you've got. Give the what you have. And then Jesus can act on that. And then his possibilities can be expressed. His options can be exercised because we give what we've got. If we withhold, then by God's choice, he limits what he can do on this earth because our authority is real. He really gave us authority. We are really the ones that is to rule and reign in this earth with him and on his behalf. We are co-laborers in the kingdom. So Jesus doesn't give up on the disciples. He doesn't let them go. He, he doesn't make it easy on them. In verse, uh, you know, and in this verse we see when he says, bring that, you know, I find it so fantastic that Jesus didn't have this Euro mentality of, listen, boys, I've got this. Don't you worry. I'm going to take care of the multitudes. I'm going to, you sit down and you watch. I'm going to do this. He, he, he didn't have that attitude. He he immediately brought his team around him and said, come guys, how are we going to solve this problem? He immediately made them part of the, the problem solving. Now, I think they wouldn't have minded if Jesus stood up and said, listen, boys, you take a seat. I'm going to take care of this. Uh, I think that would have been much less stressful for them, much easier upon them. But Jesus didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't solve the problem Without them, he brought them in and he, and he began to stretch, stretch them immediately. He began to, to involve them and, and, and he made this, the problem their problem in a sense. He, he didn't take the problem on himself. He didn't say, you know, what, what he's going to do. He said to them, you go feed them. He stretched them. He put them beyond their comfort zone. He, he exposed them to a, a, a very threatening and difficult situation. And, and, you know, I can just see if, you know, I can imagine what it must have felt like to be a disciple in that moment going, no, Jesus, now you're asking way too much of us. This is, and I think that's what they were trying to say to him when they said, this is going to take more than a half a year of wages. They were saying, this is ridiculous. You're asking too much of us. You, you're being unreasonable now, Jesus. This is not what we should do. But Jesus didn't back down. He drew them in. He said, come on, guys, we're going to go to the next level. We're going to go further. We're going to go higher. We're going to, we're going to reach the multitude. We, we're not going to shrink back. We're not going to stand back from the challenge. And, and as so often we see Jesus with his disciples, how he, how he was not scared to just you know, push them outside of their comfort zone, to call them to, out of the boat, to, to make them step out in faith. And I want to tell you that, that 
life right now can feel very difficult and it can feel hard and it can feel like I, I can't manage and I don't have enough to, to just cover the little bit that I've got to be worried about. And, you know, what, what about other people? I, I can't, I, I, I don't have the space. But I want to tell you, Jesus loves you. And Jesus said that we will do greater things than he did on this earth. And that means he's going to stretch us. He's going to call us out. He's going to, he's going to put us in situations where, where we're going to have to trust in him, where we're going to have to have faith, and where we're going to have to step out. If you don't need faith to live your life, then, then you know, we won't see the kingdom come. I, I said it a while ago, a long time ago, that to, to do Jesus' works, to preach Jesus' gospel, we need Jesus' power. And it's only in moments like this where we see Jesus' power. It's times where we step out in faith. And that's what faith promise, in a sense, is about. It's stepping out in faith and saying, Lord, I refuse to just live within the comfort of what I can handle. But I, I, I know that the, bit, the little that I have, I can trust. And you can do so much more with it. Together, Lord, we can, we can see multitudes being reached. We can see nations being touched by, because we do what we can and we give and we step out in faith and we refuse to be pushed back and to just, you know, do the bare minimum. And, and that's what Jesus did with his disciples and that's what Jesus does with every one of us. He's, he's not afraid. I don't know how you're experiencing that right now. I don't know in your life right now. Where are the points where you feel like, this is too much for me? And perhaps you're even feeling, God, you're asking too much of me. This is, this is beyond me. Can I, can I take a moment and just pray with you? Because those are the places where we can step into God's grace by faith. Where we can receive greater grace from God. Where we can take new territory. Where we can step forward and see new things happen. So if there's an area in your life where you just feel, you know, it's too much. Let's pray about that. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name right now. I want to, just with every person, bring those areas of our lives to you. Where we feel stretched, where we feel out of our comfort zone, where we feel like it's too much for us, where we feel we can't do this, Lord. There's too much being expected of us. And Father, we pray for wisdom in those areas. That, Father, that we would not be foolish, that we will not be presumptuous. And that where we're stepping out in places where we shouldn't, that you would by your spirit guide us and lead us. But I thank you, Lord, that there's many places where you are calling us and you're saying, come, come, we can do this. And you're with us. And you're calling us to operate on a level that you can operate on, to, to, to step into the options and possibilities that you have. And I pray that for every person right now. I thank you, Lord, that you want to do miracles in their lives, that you want to do new things, that you want to do powerful things through our lives. And therefore, I pray for every person. I pray for grace, for courage to arise within them now, for the spirit of generosity to move us forward in you. And I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Speak, bring peace to us, Lord. The peace of trusting you and having faith in you and being obedient to you. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord just be moving in your life and through your life. So Jesus then does the next thing. Not only does he begin to feed these multitudes, but before he does that, he organizes the multitudes. And that to me is a very important point. As I read the story, I, I realized 
that this was an important moment. And in Matthew 14, verse 18 to 19, we said, bring them here to me, he said, the, the five loaves and the two fishes. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. And again, in some of the other gospel versions, we, we, we see that he organized, he made the disciples get the people together in 50s and 100s, and they would sit in these groups on this countryside. And you know, if you have groups of 50 or 100, even 50 is a large group, and you can just imagine the expanse of, of on a countryside, groups of 50, more than 5,000 people sitting, you know, that, that's a lot of people. That's a, a big area to cover. But what Jesus did here right now is he begins to put a process together that is there to create peace, to create uh, cohesion, to create a sense of dignity for the people. Where, where they will all feel like they matter and where every person would have the opportunity to get something to eat. Um, and that's why he organizes it. Uh, Natasha tells a story last year during hard lockdown and we were doing so, or just after hard lockdown and we, we were able to give food to people and uh, we would go into the areas around us and, and help and, and food deliveries as, as our churches have done in so many areas. And, and she says one day she was driving into an area and there was a guy driving through this area and he sort of cranked his window halfway open and was throwing bread, like loaves of bread that he got from somewhere out the window, you know, and just to the people. <laughs> and, you know, when... Thank you know he he at least did the trouble he did something, but I'm sure you can agree with me what he did was had no dignity to it. I mean it's like he had very little respect for the people that he was throwing the bread to. He was almost acting like he's threatened by them, acting like he's afraid of them, that he's not he, he's not particularly care about them you know as an individual as a person. He was just doing what he his duty, uh, and I'm, perhaps I'm reading too much into it, but that's not what Jesus did. You know, we have these pictures so often happen in, in nations and places of poverty where a, a truck will drive in with food and then they get swamped by a mob of people. And it's almost like the guys just throw the stuff on the ground and say, well, you guys just, you know, fight it out amongst yourselves and, and whatever you can get, you know, good. And then you always end up with a situation where the fittest and the strongest and the quickest get the food. And then sometimes what happens in these situations, some groups of people hoard the food and then they sell it to the rest. And, but and Jesus didn't do this. Jesus organized everybody. He got them to sit down. He created an, an atmosphere, in a sense, of peace, of grace, of quiet, of, of this beautiful moment. I, I imagine being in a helicopter flying over the scene, seeing these thousands of people sitting quietly on a countryside, and then guys are busy handing out food. Now, you wouldn't know the details of the story, but it would be a lovely picture to see. And this is what Jesus was doing. And, and so there's organizing in what he did. You know, he's, he's organizing, cared for both the disciples that had to provide the food as well as for the, the people that had to receive the food. He showed that he wanted to make it a, as good and positive experience for everybody involved. That it, it made it possible that the disciples could do this and not have be clamored around and have people you know, stomp them or trample on them or fight with them because where's my food and where's my portion? They didn't have to go through that and people didn't have to fight. Um, and, and, you know, that's why something like what we do in Faith Promise is important, that there's an organizing that takes place. There's not, we don't just get stuff and, and willy-nilly just give it out and just, you know, the, and just like scatter seed on whatever soil. 
we, we give freely and we give graciously, but there's planning that goes into it. We work with reputable people. We work with reputable structures and ways to make sure the food actually gets to the people and it is actually what the people need and want. And we're always working at those systems and improving it and doing better. And last year with the uh, setting up food stations and everything um, uh, in, in both of our churches, it's been amazing just to see what we've been able to do. But there's dignity involved for both those that are doing the giving and for those that are that are the, the ones that receiving. And that's very important, and we see that in the life of Jesus here. And when we're reaching the nations, when we're going beyond and going into the nations, it's so important that we take the trouble, the time, to make sure that things are organized properly. And, and I thank our team and our missionaries that work so well together to make sure that there's health and good things established in the organizing of how we do missions and how we do, do ministry so that it's long-lasting and credible and, and, and minimizes the opportunity for heartache and for abuse from anybody or towards anybody. Then in verse 19, we see... The serving of the multitudes, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. You see, Jesus' heart was always to glorify the Father. I mean, he said that. That's his purpose. So in this moment, he immediately makes it about his father. He centers everything around the father. He gives thanks to the father. He honors the father. And our generosity is about that. It's about Honoring God. It's about honoring the Father. It's, it's our habit. Whenever we give, whether it's personally, I want to invite you, always make sure that in some small way you are able to say, this is because God loves you. This is, this, we do this in the name of our Father, our generous Father. And that it's about Him. And that's why we don't you know, always broadcast everything we do. We don't, you know, we, we, will, we will let you know and we will give feedback on what we do so that for accountability's sake and, and, and so that people know these positive things are happening. But we, we're not trying to win favor in that, uh, you know, because it's, it's about glorifying God. It's not about us. It's not about what we're doing. It's about glorifying his name. And that's exactly what Jesus did. You know, and then this amazing thing happened. You, you'll, you'll know that Jesus gave the bread to the disciples. So the miracle of the multiplication actually happened in the hands of the disciples. Not in Jesus' hand. Jesus didn't sit down and was breaking bread, you know, hundreds of pieces. And then, okay, here, Luke, here's your basket. Okay, Thomas, here's your basket. Barnabas, here's your basket. He, he gave them each the piece. And so every disciple walked to the first group of 50 people and they had this little piece of bread in their hand and they were going, oh, I don't know what's going to happen now. This <laughs> is like, um, you know, okay, Jesus. <laughs> and then they started breaking, whether it was bread or fish, and they started breaking. And this bread would just not stop. They would just keep breaking. Imagine that experience as a disciple when the miracle is happening in your hands. When you, when you feed this 50 and you think, okay, yeah, well, now we go to the next group of 50 or 100 and you start breaking. Imagine the, what happened in that crowd. Imagine the experience that they were all sharing together and, and being together in that moment. It must have been fantastic. And there's something so beautiful about the fact that the miracle happened in the hands of the disciples. They were enjoying that moment. They weren't just watching Jesus do something. They were part of it. And again, that's because we are co-workers with Christ. That's the miracle of our God. One of the great miracles that he does is that he, he, he does all these amazing things with us that are so weak, so 
you know, so limited. But yet he can move us. And I want to encourage you, be part of those. Let the miracle happen in your hands. Be part of that miracle where we together come and we serve together and we, and we together reach the multitudes and we see the miracles happen in our hands as we do this. Then the last thing I want to say about the feeding of the 5,000 is in Matthew 14 verse 20. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 baskets of bread broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men beside women and children. So that's why I say there's more than 5,000 people there. But it's beautiful to me that it says they all ate and were satisfied. Even Jesus, even the disciples probably sat down and were eating. Perhaps Jesus was moving amongst the groups, having a bite here with this group, having a bite there with that group. Just a really amazing scene of togetherness under under the presence of God, under the care of the Father, and experiencing the kingdom, this order, this, this care for a society where everybody was equal, everybody had the same, where there was a, a beautiful sense of Jesus' care and compassion for the multitudes. An amazing moment. Jesus share, and the disciples sharing with them. Not, you know, yeah, yeah we are, we're going to solve your problems for you and give you the food and you must eat and be thankful that we're doing this. But a togetherness, a, 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 a unity, that a solidarity that they were experiencing together because of God's great provision for them, because of God's care for them. What in a beautiful moment. And then the last little bit of just like the cherry on the cake, the, just this little bit of extra, extra generosity of Jesus where it says, when they'd finished and the people had left, the disciples could go and, and pick up 12 baskets full. Now we must remember, this story for those people that were experiencing it, they were Jewish people, had a strong reminder of what Moses and the Israelites were experiencing in the desert with the manna and the quail that was delivered for them every day. This was like a repeat of that. That's why some of them misinterpreted it and thought that Jesus is now coming and, and he's going to do this. This is what he's going to do. But it had that strong sense of, of this continuation of God's faithfulness towards them. This, this con continued revelation of the kingdom of God and revealing of God's care for, for, for people. But Jesus shares this little extra moment that wasn't for the crowd. The crowd's now left. But with his disciples, his team, they pick up 12 basketfuls of, of food. It's like Jesus was saying to them, there's enough left over for you. You can now take this on the road with you and have sustenance for the next part of our trip or even have more that you can give out along the way if you want to. But it was a beautiful, just a Jesus' care for those that are with him and that step out in faith with him. That they got that little bit more, that little bit extra, because they were the ones prepared to take the risk. They were the ones that were prepared to, to, to put their, their, their faith on the line and to step out with him. And, and that's beautiful. I want you to know that Jesus said that nothing we, we, we sacrifice on this earth, no, nothing we give up, we will not receive a harvest for. We will not be rewarded for. So therefore we can give. We sow freely. I find it interesting. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. I didn't have time to really research. If there's anybody that has an opinion on it, it would only be an opinion that anybody could offer. That it's interesting that there were 12 baskets left over. But with the, with the 12 disciples and Jesus, there should have been 13 baskets, isn't there? That means that Jesus didn't have a basket. Now, I don't know what that means. That's just interesting for me. Perhaps you can... 
think of something that you think it could mean, but please, it would just be an idea and an opinion because the scripture, if it wanted us to know that little detail, it would have told us. So it's just my mind, you know, it's just interesting to me. But isn't it amazing that Jesus, he shares with the multitudes and then he cares for his own team also. And what a joyous moment for them. Imagine the banter, imagine the conversations they were having after that, having seen multitudes touched. And I'm so thankful, therefore, to have been part of Faith Promise all these years and to still continue to be part of Faith Promise because we get that privilege. And today as we hear the testimonies of some of our missionaries, we get to hear the stories of the multitudes that are being touched, of the nations that are being discipled, and that we're part of that, and that we can celebrate that, and that we can high-five each other and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing, and see God's name is glorified, and, and sometimes cry and feel the heartache of it. But we're connected. We're part of these bigger stories, and that's so fantastic. So thank you. Thank you to everyone that is part of Faith Promise. Thank you for the generosity you sow in your life. That's not in Faith Promise, but in many other areas where I know our people are generous and that they give and that they live these lives and that we're not frightened, we're not shrinking back, that we are people of faith, trusting God to do more than what we could even think is possible. So I want to pray as we end right now and just pray for you that the Spirit of God would encourage and strengthen you and strengthen me and strengthen each of us in this time to see the kingdom expressed in beautiful ways by the spirit of generosity that we have. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you are the God of all people, every nation, that there's no people, no nation, no person that does not have a place with you, Father, that you are not inviting, that you are not wanting to include, that you are not prepared to cater for, that you are not prepared to feed not only the bread that gives life, but the bread of life, Lord. And that really is what this is about, is that you have enough for every person to eat the bread of life. And I pray for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray that that will be our perspective, Father, in Jesus' name. That we would always be prepared to go the next step, to do the more, to go the extra mile, to seek those that are lost, to go to the, to the edges of the earth and to say, Lord, let every person will know that Jesus Christ has bread for them and that he is the bread of life. I pray for that spirit of generosity, that spirit, that large spirit, that, that spirit of more than enough to be present within us and that we will keep on pushing the boundaries and creating opportunities and spaces where our little Lord can be multiplied by your much and we can see lives change, multitudes affected and nations discipled. And I thank you for that, Lord. But I pray for every individual in our, in our very own personal spaces Lord, let us see the miracles happen in our hands. And I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for doing your faith promise pledge. And we trust that, that you will experience the favor and the blessing of the Lord. Amen.